You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. Ask a friend if we were going to heaven. And my friend Hayden asked me and I said no. And there was this moment of realization that I've been putting it off for a while to get saved and so I went down front and got saved and it was this overwhelming presence that came upon me and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. So before I became a Christian, I was depressed and I put on like this fake act in public where I would act really happy and smile, but I never really meant it. And so after becoming a Christian, I no longer have to do that act because I truly am happy now. I want to get baptized to let people know that I'm a Christian. I was baptized a year ago, but I realized that that was just head knowledge and I never had a real relationship with Jesus, but now I do. I'd like to thank Hayden, JJ, and my family for helping me come to a true relationship with Jesus. I'm here today to let you know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Turn your microphone on. Um, man, I love those baptism videos. That takes a lot of courage. Just to be honest in that thing and, and talk about struggle, man. I, I, uh, Spencer, thank you so much. Um, tonight we're going to continue our study in the book of Ephesians. So if you've got a Bible or an app or something, Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. It's not on the screen tonight, so you're actually going to have to look at it. Um, and I really want you to look at it. Uh, so um, if you have something to take notes on, I think that's always a good idea as well. Um, so that you can remember stuff. I don't know about you, but I forget everything that I hear in about 10 minutes. Uh, 10 minutes is about as long as it lasts. Um, so if, uh, if anything ever is said or done in Greenhouse that you think is impact, or anytime anybody's um, sharing, trying to share the Word of God with you, uh, taking notes is not a bad, not a bad idea, all right? So um, Ephesians chapter 2. Now, uh, before we get into Ephesians too far, um, how many of you, just show of hands, how many of you have ever watched American Ninja Warrior? everyone right it's the best i've just been watching like ninja warrior just straight through like we haven't watched anything else on tv in like three months or something um i think that i am destined to be the next great american ninja warrior i think that uh i know you all believe yeah i know you believe in me i think that i'm gonna be the 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 first uh well i think i'm coming mount Modoriama maybe next year we'll see see how my schedule is but um, it's legit. I love that show. And, you know, you get to the point, right? I, I feel bad for people sometimes, though, because sometimes people do well, and then they just don't quite do well enough, right? Those are always sad. They're trying to get to the, the finals or something. And, and you know, what happens is somebody, is, you know, I don't know, I don't know how they, they put these people in order, but it's always the people at the beginning, you know, you haven't got to watch everybody go through it. They don't we're throwing things. Um, like they don't know how to, how to do the obstacle and stuff yet. So it's always those people at the beginning I feel bad for. And usually one of them, they, they, they did a good job, but they just didn't quite, you know, finish or something. And so um, as, as more and more people go, it's usually like it comes down to like the last person. Like the last person is going to run the course and it's always like some like spider monkey or something, you know. And uh, there's always this, this person who's on the bubble. And then the, the announcer guys is like, you know, we got to see if you went far enough, fast enough to get to the next round. All right, you tracking with me? 
And inevitably, every single time they say that, whoever's on the bubble, who's over there wondering if they made it far enough, fast enough, they just get decimated. And then you can like see the, like the, like the, oh. You didn't see like the, that, this feeling of being crushed. They thought they were there. They were almost, they almost had, they almost got 15th place or whatever. They almost made it far enough, fast enough. And then somebody passes them and they're out. There's nothing else you can do. It's just over. You just like go home and, you know, do whatever you, you know, you know, it's just, it's, you're that close. But you didn't go far enough, fast enough. You weren't quite good enough. And so now you're out. You know, um, a lot of people think about salvation like that. They think about like, like God works like that or something. That God is all about whether you go far enough, fast enough. He's just like at the end of your days, you're going you're gonna to face God or something, and he's going to hold you up to some standard. He's just going to let you know that whether you were good enough or whether you made the cut or not. And then and I remember, I mean, when I was younger, I kind of had this conception of God, that he was going to do this, that he was going to hold me up to some standard that I didn't really understand that's probably in the Bible somewhere, and that, that I was going to stand before him and he was going to tell me if I'd made it or not. And if I didn't make it, if I wasn't good enough, then I was out. And it was final. And then God has this, this line, and if you're good enough, you get into heaven. And if not, you're eternally separated from God. I want you to know um, tonight that if that's your conception of God, if that's the way you think Christianity works, if that's the way you think salvation works, um, that is not at all what the Bible says about how salvation works. That's not even close that's not even sort of in the same stratosphere of anything the Bible has to say at all. But we walk into this thing one day, and sometimes we even like just do it ourselves. You know, are, have we been good enough for God to be pleased with us? And our whole relationship with God is built around your performance, whether you went far enough, fast enough. That's a terrible way to live, isn't it? To always be wondering if you're doing enough for this holy God. To always be wondering if, if that one thing was going to be the one thing that kept you out or kept God mad at you or God wasn't going to bless you or something because you didn't do enough for him or for somebody else. That's, that's a stressful way to live. So we're going to look into the word of God tonight and see what it has to say about the way salvation happens and see if anywhere in that we see far enough, fast enough. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to pray for us real quick. Is that okay? Can I do that? Father, um, my prayer tonight is that you help us to focus on the words of these two little verses, that you would help us to so internalize the meaning of these two verses that it, it literally shapes and changes the way that we relate to you for this life and the life to come. God, help, um, help me to communicate these two little verses in a way that sinks deep into our hearts. In your sins I pray. Amen. Amen. So the verse 8 right here, as we start out, there's a lot of words that if you've been around church for um, a while, you've heard these words so much that um, they almost kind of become numb to you. They're, just, they're said so many times that, that I think sometimes even, even people who have been around church for a long time kind of lose a real clear understanding of what the words mean. But this first little part of verse 8 has these three words in it that are so incredibly important for you to understand what they mean. Like, we ha you have to know what these three words mean. So right there at the beginning, in verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
That's a phrase that should be just burned into your mind. That's the kernel of Christianity. Like if you boiled it down to the way this works, it's those words right there. For by grace you have been saved through faith. I want you to be able to like ramble that off. When somebody asks how Yeke can be saved, well, you can be saved by grace uh, through faith. Like I, that's, you just need to know that. But to have that have any meaning, you got to understand what the words mean, right? So let's, let's define our terms a little bit. If it's that important for you to have it memorized, for you to know it, let's define our words. So the first one is by grace, for by grace. If you're taking notes tonight, the definition I have tonight for grace is this. It's that grace is God's favor towards guilty people. That grace is God's favor toward guilty people. You didn't deserve grace, but you got it because you're guilty. All of us are guilty of sin. We're all guilty people. And so if God extends favor towards us, that's by his grace. God extending grace is God extending his, his good favor towards guilty people. All right, so it's by grace, it's by the God's favor toward guilty people that you've been saved. If you're a Christian, that you've, you've been saved by his grace, by his goodwill towards guilty people. So this, this word saved. Like, I, um, especially if you haven't been around church for a while, you've probably heard Christians talk about being saved. And you're like, I didn't know I needed to be saved. Like, I'm not in danger. I don't know what you're talking about. It is kind of a weird, well, like a strange term to use if you don't kind of understand our, 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 where we're coming from in this. Because on the outset, all of us, like, you seem fine. Like, you're not in any real and present danger at the moment. You don't need to be rescued out of this room or something. And so being saved out of something, well, it feels like you need to feel some danger or have something happening to be saved from it, right? And if you don't think you are, then there's no really need for that to happen. But the Bible paints this picture of us being guilty before God and us having the penalty for all of our mistakes on us that even if you didn't know that you were in danger, that you were in danger of spending eternity paying the consequence for your sin. You're in danger of, of, of still holding the burden for the wrath that you had earned. You were in danger. And if you're not a Christian, then you are still like in, in, in a direct line with that wrath that you've earned for yourself. So when it says that we would be saved, what that means is the definition for, for saved tonight is this. It's being rescued from the wrath you deserved. Being rescued from the wrath you deserved. So it's by grace, it's by God's favor toward guilty people, that, that you can be saved, that you can be rescued from the wrath that you earn for yourself. All your mistakes, all that wrath, all the condemnation, all the punishment for anything you've ever done wrong in your entire life, God can save you, rescue you from that by his good favor toward guilty people. And it says this, that you've been saved through faith. If you were in a bowl of Christianity down to one word, it'd be faith. It's placing your faith in Jesus that saves you. So by grace... We've been saved through faith. Faith, our, our definition for that tonight is this. It's a confident trust and reliance on Jesus. A confident trust and reliance on Jesus. And what faith is, is faith is interesting. Faith is, is this. It is, it's, how you, it's how you take hold of Jesus. It's one thing to hear a lot about Jesus. It's one thing to be told or to even believe that Jesus died for people's sins. It's another thing entirely to take hold of him. How do you take hold of somebody who like, is at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven? How do you take hold of him? Well, by faith. It's this confident hope, this assurance in him that you're trusting Jesus. That what he did on the cross that, that, that day, 2,000 years ago, when he gave his life, he gave his life for you. When you trust that, that's putting your faith in Jesus. So when you put those definitions together, the way this works is that God extends his good, his good will, his favor toward guilty people. 
and rescues them from the wrath that they had earned from themselves just when they trust Jesus. Did you hear far enough, fast enough in that? Did you hear anything about, did you check enough boxes? Nope. Goes on and says, and this, this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. This nails it down there. This is not your own doing. This is the gift of God. You didn't do anything to make this happen. You can't do anything to make this happen. If you're a Christian in the room, you did not earn this. You did not come to church enough. You did not, like, help enough old ladies across the street to, to make this happen. Like, you didn't have it. You didn't do this. And if you're not a Christian in the room, what you need to hear is that you're never going to earn this. You're never going to do enough stuff to change it. If it's a gift, it's just been offered. It says it's, like it's, it's this gift of God. That the rescue is a gift. If you, um, did you guys see the, uh, I got, I'm sure everybody saw pictures from, of like water rescues and stuff from the Houston hurricane thing, right? Yes, nod. These people, like the boats and stuff were out there. Saw some people wakeboarding like in streets and stuff. That looked pretty awesome. And there was this one picture, my favorite. There was this guy on a jet ski. And he had, he had, he had, had I guess the guy had a jet ski, right? And if your house floods and there's eight feet of water in your street, you can just like unhook your jet ski from the trailer and boop. Now you got a jet ski. That's pretty great, right? That's, that's convenient. And so dude jumps on a jet ski. He's got on his, like, I'm going to the lake for the weekend, you know, ski vest thing. He's not a, like a rescue guy. He's just a guy on the jet ski in a flood, which, gosh, I mean, if you're going to have a flood, you might as well have a jet ski. And so he's, he's, he, he, there's this picture. And it's, it's not a video. I wish it was a video. And he's, he's, he's found an old lady, all right? He's found an old lady trapped in her house. And, uh, you know, I guess old lady doesn't want to swim, all right? And so he backs his jet skis. He's backed his jet ski through her front door. And it's backed all the way up against her stairs. That, like, you know, like you, you come in the front door and there's the stairs right there. Old lady is like, she's come down the stairs. She's just stepped directly onto dry jet ski ground, okay? And now she's riding, she's riding shotgun on a jet ski. And somebody's up there, like, somebody's up at the balcony taking a picture of Grandma on the back of the jet ski, and the guy's like, yo, like, he's having a great time. He's having an awesome time. Grandma did not earn being rescued on the back of the jet ski. She was not, like, the best grandma with, like, the best, you know, your grandma makes good brownies. That lady's brownies are better than your grandma's brownies. That's why she got rescued on the back of the jet ski. She didn't have anything to do with being rescued on the back of the jet ski. She's just old lady up in the window like, help, and somebody did. Okay, that's all she did. She did not have anything to do with it. And you don't either. I know, right? We've all got this middle picture. She's like, you know? There's no effort on her part. She didn't buy the jet ski. They're just going to just ignore them. It kind of is that ridiculous for us to think that our rescue is somehow something that we did. Paul's saying, look, like, this is not your doing, sweeties. You did not do something to impress the eternal God of the universe. Sorry, you're not that cool. It's just a gift of God. And isn't rescue always a gift? Just by nature, like, rescue is always a gift. Somebody comes to your rescue, it's, it's not because you earned it, not because it's a, it's, a, it's a gift. And so God, by his good 
favor towards guilty people comes and rescues guilty folks when they trust Jesus. It's not your doing. It's a gift. It's a gift that was offered to you. It's all you get to do. The only thing that you do in this is trust Jesus. Did you hear far enough, fast enough? Continues, it nails it down even further. It says this in verse 9. This, this, isn't even, this is not a result of works. This is not a result of works so that no one can boast. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. What that, what that means is that, that you, you had nothing to do with this, and if you did, you'd have the opportunity to boast. That you, you would. Like, if you had done something so grand that you had impressed God, like, that would give you reason to boast in this. But God didn't want your salvation to be something you could boast about because God's not interested in your glory. God is not interested in you getting glory and you getting magnified and you being worshipped. But if you were cool enough to impress the eternal God of the universe, then maybe you would, might be worth at least a, a, a you know, hat tip toward that. God saves us for his glory and our good. God, this is the whole story of salvation. God is about God coming to rescue people who didn't deserve to be rescued. It's for his glory, not yours. So it's not anything that you can boast about. So if you know somebody who thinks they're a Christian or says they're a Christian, or even if they are one and they've kind of got a little whacked up up here, and, and they, they approach the rest of us, are you, if you're not a Christian, they look at you and say, look, I'm, look how great I am. Look how, look how like, pretty my life is. Look how sinless I am. And, and you, sorry people over here, like doing all the wrong stuff. Like you guys, are, y'all, y'all, y'all are the worst and, and I'm awesome. So that no one can boast. This is not about us boasting. The only thing we can boast in is that we found Jesus and we put our trust in him. And he rescued us. And in that, it's not a boast, it's just magnifying God. Did you hear far enough, fast enough yet? Verse 10, um, we get to a point where we kind of have to ask ourselves a question. So if God's done all this, has nothing to do with how many times you came to church, how many old ladies you helped off the back of jet skis, like had nothing to do with what you did, then why, why does what we do matter? If God's offered this grace, he's offered the rescue, he's offered all of that, he's made it available as a gift, he's done that, then why does it matter what you do? If God's already extended grace to all of your sin and all of your mess, then why don't you just keep on sinning? If he's already offered to pay for all of it, then why, do, why don't you just do whatever you want? It's a valid question, right? If God's extended grace, then why, don't, why do we have to live thankful? Why do we have to live in a way that honors and glorifies God? Why don't you do whatever you want? Well, verse 10 says this. It says that we are his workmanship. That we're God's workmanship. That we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When it says that, that we're God's workmanship, what that means is that if you're a Christian, that he has made you. He's in, specifically, he's remade you. Now, your life, that your spirit, your soul was, was trashed. You destroyed it. You, I mean, your sin was enough to just destroy you for eternity. And God remade you, recrafted you into something good, something holy before him, gave you a new life. That you were dead in the trespass and the sins in which you once walked, but God made you alive. God remade you. You're his workmanship. You guys made some stuff earlier. That was not awesome workmanship. 
Okay, that's not like, I'm, I mean, even if I gave you some candy, like that's not like glory workmanship, okay? That's not like somebody's gonna hire you to make that thing again. Please don't ever make those things again. Like the thing that shoots skulls, no one needs that, okay? But it is workmanship, it's just not awesome. So, but you, but you, listen, you are the holy and perfect God's workmanship if you're a Christian. That you've been remade, you've, you took your mess, took the mess that you were and made you into something good. I, I, um, I tell you all stories about that old piece of junk Jeep I have. Um, I was uh, 17 and it was, the motor was about to explode. It was spraying like liquid hot oil out of the tailpipe. Um, it was bad. And so what I did, I, I bought another engine, another, sorry, broken engine, and then took some parts out of it and some parts out of mine, and I made a new engine in my garage, which is the most manliest thing I can say, that I built an engine in my garage as a 17-year-old. It's the coolest thing I've ever done, all right? But I did, and I built this, made this motor. I like, took some bunch of junk and busted motors and made a motor that I thought hopefully might work. We didn't have YouTube yet, so I had to read a book. It was terrible. And, and so I... <laughs> Um, built this thing, stuck it back in the Jeep, and there came this moment where, I mean, I didn't know how to, I, didn't, I couldn't test it. I didn't know if I'd done it right. And there was this moment where I was going to have to turn the key and see if this thing worked or if it was going to burn my parents' house down. Because I, I started it inside the garage, which is a bad plan in retrospect, um, because if it blew up, <laughs> it's indoors. Um, and so, anyway, I, I, I turned the key, and, and it tries, which is a win for me. Okay, because um, I have no idea what I'm doing. And so and I, I turned again, I turned again, I turned again, and finally the thing starts. Y'all have never been so proud in my whole life that my, my workmanship came to life and a motor was running. Now, I forgot to attach a gas line and there was gas spraying everywhere, but that was beside the point. It's gas just, it is like, it was awful. I mean, I literally coated the ceiling of the garage in gasoline. Um, so don't smoke in there. But, uh, but it worked. It worked. I take, I took, a bunch of mess and made a thing and the thing, the thing, I'm, I drove the Jeep yesterday, same motor, built it when I was 17. It's still terrible, but it works. The thing works. It's a show of my workmanship. <laughs> However, not great my workmanship is, but, there's, but for us, we're God's workmanship. And so then if we're his workmanship, then, then the question has to come in, if we're his workmanship, does, it just begs the question, if, if, if our salvation is God's workmanship, then is salvation working on you? Does your salvation work? Is it doing anything? Because it should. If, you, if, you, if God has remade you into, into his follower, a disciple of Jesus, if he's saved you, made you a Christian, rescued you, then it should change the way you live. The Holy Spirit of God is working in us to draw us to be more and more like Jesus. Now, maybe at the outset, things were a little bit, a, a bit of a mess. Maybe there's some gasoline spraying around. But as time progresses, we become more and more like Jesus. And so there's, there should be evidence there. In fact, there should be so much evidence that it should be recognizable that only God could have done it. Those of you who have um, friends that, that you guys are in class and stuff with, you can recognize your friend's handwriting, Right? You know that, guy, that, that person that can't write for any, like they just can't, they couldn't write their name right now. And you know the ones that have the, little, the, the hearts for eyes and you know all that mess. Like you, you know each other's handwriting, you do. You can see somebody's handwriting and you can recognize it to be the work of whoever. How many of you can, can recognize um, some of your favorite singer's voice on, when, you, when you hear that before, like a new song comes out and you're like, oh, oh, I know that, I know them. 
Yeah, of course you can. You recognize it as their work. It's, it's recognizable. Like you, you see their work and it's recognizable. We are God's workmanship. Does your life, look at me, does your life look like God's workmanship? Is there evidence that God has done a work in you, that he's remade you? Not that everything's perfect, but is there evidence that there's a process here where God has remade you? Can you see that in yourself? Because if not, if there's no evidence to you in your own life that you are, in fact, God's workmanship, then maybe you're not. Does your faith work? If it doesn't work, then it doesn't have any effect on you. If you're not, the, if you're not, if you're not any different than you were before you said you were a Christian, does it work? Here's the test of our faith. You know, it just, it's, it's, is, is it working on you? Is your salvation changing you? Are you different than you were before you met Jesus? And are you different than you were a year ago in following Jesus? Are you moving toward Jesus consistently? Does your faith work? If it doesn't, you need to ask yourself a real hard, honest question, though. Why? If it's working, if you can see evidence of your faith changing you, and praise God for that. Praise God that he's, he's bringing a mess like you more and more towards himself. Even if it's not perfect yet, praise God that he's, he's, he's working in you, he's moving you towards, and your life is starting to show evidence of Christ. But, if man, if, if you and I had to sit down and just be real honest with each other, and, and, and I asked you, look, is your faith working? Does this, this relationship with Jesus that you claim you have, has it had any impact on you at all? What would you say? I think some of you, if you were, if you were bold enough in that moment, if you were going to be honest with me, you'd say, look, man, um, I, I claim to be a Christian. I've told people around me I'm a Christian. I come to Greenhouse. Um, and just kind of one day I decided I was a Christian. It wasn't a faith issue. I just wanted to say I was. It really hadn't changed the way I lived. If somebody looked at the way that looked at my life and, and, and tried to decide, like, what was at work? Like, whose workmanship am I? The last person they would think that would be God's. Is that you tonight? If it is, um, I, I almost don't know what to say. I, 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 um, if that's how you would answer my question, I want you to know that there's a God who wants to rescue you. A God who's not interested in you checking all the boxes and doing all the right things and going far enough, fast enough. It's a God who wants to take your mess and remake you. He wants to rescue you from the wrath that you earned for yourself. He wants to save you by his grace, by his good favor to those guilty people who don't deserve it. If you've just been claiming Jesus in name only, but you're not following him, if you know that you don't really have a faith and that's why it's not working, you can walk out of this place tonight knowing and trusting Jesus. By grace, you can be saved through faith. All right. Let me pray for you. Um, Father, uh, for the students in the room, that, that mean, I, I see the fruit of the Spirit. I see God working. I see their faith working.
I'm so thankful for that. And I pray that they would chase that down. They would pursue you well. They'd allow you to sharpen them even when it's hard. That they'd allow you to pull sin out of them even when they don't want to. They don't want to give it up. That you give them boldness to follow. But God, I also, I remember being a teenager and hearing messages like that and having this fear inside of me that um, maybe I wasn't a Christian. Maybe I wasn't following you. I pray that everybody that's worried about that would have a conversation with a friend or adult tonight or me and walk out of here knowing that they know for sure whether they trust Jesus. God, I pray that you, that it, I pray that you would seek and save the lost tonight. Your son's name, pray. Amen. Guys, I went over a little bit. Actually, I didn't. Your game did. She took forever. Um, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna touch short and small groups up to about ten minutes. All right. So quickly find your leaders, um, and then after this, we've got fall retreat meeting in here. I didn't hear.